0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. West These guys know sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys know sports. These guys know. These guys know. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports on this Friday, August the twenty-first, on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, go follow the Wise Guys on Twitter at wiseguys underscore h. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'm here live with my co-host, Mr. Clarence Nixon. What's up, Mr. Nixon? First of all, Trey. I want to say happy Friday to you, because it's been I know it's been a tough week and a busy week. So happy Friday with you, brother. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. How was your Friday treating you so far? I finally got a day off of work. I'm so happy about that. And I just want to, you know, I'm feeling, feeling excited. You know, I just want to get some relaxation, you know, enjoy my Friday. Enjoy this off day until I go back. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Bye. Yeah, I definitely understand that. We got an action jam packed show ahead for all our viewers out there. We're going to talk about Houston Rockets taking a commanding 2 0 lead on OKC. Also, later on the show, we're going to talk about Luka Doncic and the Mavericks evening up their series against the Clippers. We got game three of that series tonight at nine o'clock following our show. I think right now, Clarence, the Sixers and the Celtics are playing right now If I'm not mistaken I don't know if we got a score oh. update but I think they playing right now I'll definitely get your score update But hold on a second Did you just see that Jazz and Nuggets game? Oh man They was beating them out from gym. Oh jazz, the Jazz won by 40 Didn't they? <laughs> the what? They won by 40 now? Oh my god But Mike Conley Right here like six threes. I'm like oh He going crazy Yeah He definitely went Austin. crazy He did Austin is, Austin is up 53-49 In the third quarter 53 to 49 over the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. So we got an action jam pack show ahead. So many things we're gonna get into. Also, we're gonna talk about expectations for Joe Burrow's Bengals. Clarence, I don't know if you got a chance to see today. The Bengals released pictures of Joe Burrow in his Cincinnati Bengals jerseys. Like I don't know. Did you see that? Oh, you, you, did I see that? Well, I got notifications when they dropped that uniform. <laughs> <coughs> I'm actually arguing with some people right now because they saying, oh, man, he should not be wearing Carson's right now. I'm like, he's going to be better than Carson. I guarantee you that right there. But you think I ain't see that? Man, I've been watching film. Oh, I'm going to save it for the topic, man. I don't want to ruin my surprises. Okay. What are well, we we'll starting off with today, Mr. Nixon? I'm going to let you lead. What are we we'll starting off with? Oh, yeah. Oh, first, <laughs> first, first, first. oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Because first of all, we're going to start off in the NBA playoffs, game two, baby, as you see. That I the L.A. Lakers defeated the Portland Trail Blazers in a blowout, Mr. Larkins. One one eleven to eighty eight. The series is tied as one one. Anthony Davis led the lead with led led the pack with thirty one points with eleven rebounds. And LeBron James had ten points. Uh, that was the second worst of his career. That he the second worst of the point was six rebounds and seven assists. Followed by Damian Lillard, eighteen points, and he left the game, Mr. Larkins. He left the game with a. Left jam index finger. So, so Trey, what went wrong in game two? The the floor is yours, brother. What went wrong in game two? I, I, the, the what, what, what went wrong, in game two? Really wrong, game two? Okay, where do I start? First off, I'm gonna say Anthony Davis completely took over the game. He dominated the game, Clarence. He was very dominant. He had 31 points. He went I, 13, I, to 20, 13 of 21 from the field. Anthony Davis was unguardable like he showed yesterday while he is universally recognized as a top five player in the nba he went three or four from three-point range which is 75 percent in game one he went over five from three-point range so he did much better in game two and he had it going he had it going because he was getting to the rim at will hassan whiteside is too slow to guard anthony davis and Nurkic is too big he doesn't ha- he doesn't have the speed to keep up with Anthony Davis on the perimeter and Anthony Davis took advantage of the, of the matchup and we really had no answers for Anthony Davis. Honestly, he dominated the game oh. and this is what we've been asking from Anthony Davis Clarence. This is what we've been asking from him yeah. to do more consistently for the Lakers to have a chance. And he did it yesterday in game two from opening tap. He was aggressive. He had that look in his eye. Cause they were talking about after game one, cause you know, in game one, he only had 28 points which isn't bad, but he went eight of 24 shooting from the floor. So he was very inefficient. But after game one, they asked him in the post-game press conference last night, they said, did LeBron say anything to you? And Anthony Davis responded and said, he didn't say anything to me. He just seen it in my eye when I got to the gym today. He knew." So basically, LeBron didn't even have to say anything to Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis knew what time it was. And the time was for him to dominate. And he did just that last night. He was a plus 32 on the court last night for the Lakers. He also had 11 rebounds and three assists. He completely dominated the game, and when he does this and performs at this high of a level, the Lakers can win the NBA championship. I know I picked the Clippers to beat the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, but I'm telling you right now, Clarence, if Anthony Davis plays like this, my Portland Trailblazers will be eliminated in five games, and not only that, the Lakers will the Lakers will win the NBA championship. Listen, but listen, the thing is, are we gonna get that consistent domination from Anthony Davis? I say no because 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 we have those games clearance with AD where he only has like 10 or 11 points. He hasn't consistently dominated since being in the bubble. But last night he was aggressive and I knew it. I was watching the game clearance. I'm like, he 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 owned one tonight. He he ready to rock and roll tonight. No. I, did, did you did you watch it? You watch the game? Of course I watched the game. Trey. Did you see it in his eyes? I saw it. I see said it? okay. I see. Oh, it. look. Yes. I'm gonna tell you. Look, I'm gonna just tell you this. That Lakers team was just, just dominant. They were just dominant, and Anthony Davis led the way. He knew at his time it was this time to shine. Like you said, he needed to play better. And guess what? He didn't even play the fourth quarter because it was they was up. I'm gonna let me just break down these numbers to you real quick. Let me break them down. The The L.A. Lakers shot better than the Portland Trailblazers. They shot 47% to Portland's 40%. I was surprised that Damon was even shooting that bad. And then, no, let me get on these Portland. Let me get on these Portland stats. The three-point, they shot eight eight for 29 with 29%. That's horrible. That's that's, that's around LeBron and them average how, how much they shoot from the three. Let us be realistic. And LeBron and them shot 14 for 38, 36%. They shot better. They was, they was the better team overall in the game. They, they, they out-rebounded them. They out of them. They caused more turnovers. You seen LeBron James actually looked like uh, a passing LeBron. Like, his, his you know, he's showing his abilities that he can pass and let somebody else lead the pack. I, I said this before. LeBron, it's time for LeBron to break down and play his true position. Cause when you play your true position you give other players the opportunity to play their to play their part in the in the team's success that that's just point blank right there and anthony Davis was just on fire i think no he yeah. had nobody had no answer for him and i want to say this because i did tag you in this post yesterday you did say mellow was the was the key factor in this playoff yesterday all we seen was mellow one for six with two points he yeah. only took six I'm about to him I'm about to get to him. I'm about to get to him. But I want to say this real quick. In order for the Poole Trailblazers to be successful, you need a great performance from either C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard. And when that does not happen, the Trailblazers struggle. Yesterday, Damian Lillard, he had 18 points, 6 of 14 shooting from the floor. He went 1 of 7 for three-point range. C.J. McCollum, he only had 13 points. He went 6 of 16 from the floor. He went 1 of 5 from three-point range. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum combined – to go 2 of 12 from three-point range. In order for the Portland Trailblazers to have any chance at winning this series, they need Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to hit the perimeter shot at a higher level than just 2 for twelve. Two for 12 is not going to get it done. Also, I thought offensively, this was a performance that the Portland Trailblazers should want to forget. They should want to forget about this performance. You said it. They shot 40% from the field overall as a team, and they went 8 of 29 from three-point range. They were due for a bad performance on the offensive side of the floor Clarence, They were due for it. We've been balling out in the bubble. We have the best offensive rating in the bubble, period. It's been Portland. And last night, they were due for a bad performance. Carmelo Anthony, who was the first ballot Hall of Famer, my favorite all-time player. I need more than two points from you, bro. One (laughs) for six shooting is not going to get it done against Anthony Davis and LeBron James, two of the top five players we have in the NBA. I need more from you, Melo. Melo was a minus 26 on the first uh, last night. He didn't even, uh, Mello didn't even not only that, Melo got no rebounds last night. I need more from Mello.
1: But overall, I
0: this? Oh. overall, what? I, 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 oh, I'm going to let you finish. You said overall, overall. Overall, I think oh, the Portland Trailblazers as a team offensively didn't play well, Clarence, last night. Don't just put it on Melo. The entire team struggled. They didn't oh. play well. Nurkic, he went 4th of shooting from the floor and they didn't get any production from Gary Trent. He only dropped eight points. I think they need to play at a much higher level offensively if they want to have any chance of being able to pull the upset in this series, because you're not going to be able to stop Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is going to get his points. I think you need to try to outscore the Lakers to have a chance of beating them in this series. Even though last night, Cornelius Conwell Pope, he finally got his three point shot going I still don't trust Caltevius caldwell Pope, and I don't trust Danny Green, Clarence. I do not. I don't. I think you need... We'll we'll get to all that in a minute, but go ahead. What you want to say? I just want to say this. Like, Danny Green, I think he left that shot in... I think he left his three-point shot in Toronto because this is ridiculous. Because in Toronto, he was playing way better than he is in L.A. But... But you got to, but you got to think about it. Big shout out to KCP because he did turn it around. You got to give him some props though. He turned it around from game one, only scoring one point. Then had zero for nine from the floor, zero for five from the three. But he was better today. He was actually the second leading scorer on the team, sixteen point, five and eight shooting, and what four for six on the three. He was he was better than game one. I think he did the he shot the ball better. He was more focused and he wasn't rushing his game. I think he, he, he's starting to realize who they're, who are, who they playing, who they playing, yeah. they playing to get a good team that got good guard playing Damian Lynn and CJ McCollum, you got a streaky mellow. So I think he's starting to get more comfortable of who he playing up again because now his defense is probably going to be more of an impact too. Yeah. But, but, but let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. If I would have told you LeBron James would have only had 10 points yesterday before the game, would you have said the Lakers would have won that game? So wait, so you said if LeBron James had 10 points. If I would have told you LeBron gonna finish the game with 10 points, would you have said that would end in a Lakers win or a Lakers loss? I think at the same time, when you got another superstar on your team, that can possibly end, it could probably end with a win, though. If you, you I mean, no, look no the problem yesterday was offensively, the Portland Trail Blazers didn't show up, Clarence. As great as Anthony Davis played and Anthony Davis Dominated that game yesterday. He dominated from start to finish. He was in complete control of that game, and he was the best player on the floor last night. Oh, okay. listen, but, but listen. I, real quick, real quick. I believe the reason why Portland lost last night is not because they couldn't stop Anthony Davis. They couldn't stop John Morant in the playing game. They have, all, they've had multiple other games this year where they couldn't stop the opposing team's best player. They couldn't stop Kyrie Levert for the Brooklyn Nets. In that matchup, he he had, he dropped close to forty points. Seeing a player go off against the Portland Trailblazers on the offensive end is not something new. We've had players go off on us before, but the, off, the to offset is that has been the great offensive rating from the Portland Trailblazers. It didn't happen last night. That's what I'm saying. You do you, you agree with that or disagree? Look look look. But, but think about it. LeBron James. I was watching the game yesterday, and I seen. That the mismatch, he, the mismatch he had, he had he, Gary Trent was on him a couple of uh, couple sessions, Hazonia was, and they they would just keep swapping back. Sometimes CJ Dame was not getting a piece of LeBron, not that much, but I seen CJ Dame guard AD, but some, some reason they wasn't guarding LeBron. there yeah, LeBron wasn't the biggest threat though, but you have he has another superstar on his team that that needed to show up, and believe it or not. LeBron, he he did shoot well yesterday, but I like the way how he got everyone involved. He got AD into a rhythm. He let AD take over the score, the chump of, the clump of scoring. Then to be honest, Hassan Whiteside cannot guard AD. I don't even think Nurkis can guard AD. AD, is, no is one a, on that post Trailblazers team can guard Anthony Davis. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And I think the advantage they got, they got to let Anthony David play his game. If he bringing them out to the, bring them out the paint and he's attacking, that's going to work every time. Damian Lillard is not going to step in for a charge of CJ. But they're going to be. too be- Right. Boys. I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think Portland lost yesterday because offensively they were terrible. They didn't lose because they couldn't get defensive stops. They've had players in the bubble that have went off for over 30 plus already. It happened with Chris DeVert and the Brooklyn Nets. It happened with John Morant in the play-in game. Defensively, the Portland Trail Blazers aren't a very good basketball team because they don't have Trevor Ariza. They don't have Rodney Hood, who they lost to a season-ending injury earlier in the season. Therefore, they are trying to outscore their opponent. I think if you put up points on the scoreboard, that can offset a great performance from a player like Anthony Davis. Like, Damian Little only having 18 points. I know he injured his index finger. But him only oh. having 18 points really hurt the Pulling Trailblazers. Melo, only two points. I need more from you, bro. And C.J. McCollum, I need him to get into his offensive rhythm a little bit earlier in the game. I seen Damian Little trying to get C.J. going in the third quarter. But the game was already out of reach at that point, Clarence. We were, we were already down by 20 points. I, I mean, the biggest the – biggest- I think the Pulling <laughs> Trailblazers need to try to get C.J. McCollum involved early and often, and try to get him into a rhythm, they ain't going to get his points just in a natural flow of the offense, but I want to say something else real quick. I think Terry Stotts, the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, I think he needs to double Anthony Davis. Make someone else beat you. It can't be AD. It can't be AD. I don't trust I don't trust KCP. I don't trust Alice Caruso, Deion Waiters, Danny Green. I don't trust their shooters. To be able to beat us. I don't think that they can outshoot us in a series, Clarence. I'm putting all the pressure on those shooters. And believe it or not, I'm going to turn LeBron James into a score. Let LeBron get his points. I know he's gonna win that one on one matchup with Gary Trent, but if I'm the pulling trailblazers, I ain't letting Anthony Davis beat me. I'm doubling doubling him every single trip down the floor. So that you say what? Then they then the Lakers probably go get another blowout win. Because if you if you let oh. LeBron or how? if you – because if you – and LeBron got the disadvantage. If you got someone like Gary Trent guarding you, they can just turn it on from there, he can just drop easily 30 points. Like, that's obvious right there. Gary Trent is not slowing down the LeBron. See, see, and if I they can think – I they think can win. if LeBron goes off for 30, he, it doesn't kill you how Anthony Davis kills you. See, Anthony Davis – you seen what happened last night when he had it going and he was aggressive. It completely – change the entire complexion of the game i don't think it can kill you if lebron is dropping 30 and anthony davis dropped just 20 points what i'm saying is anthony davis gonna score no matter what i'm taking my chances sending the double team his way making him pass out to those shooters and them missing shots do you really trust kcp alice caruso Dion waiters and danny green and jr smith to hit shots consistently do you trust that Look, J.R. Smith is a streaky shooter. KCP is actually a good shooter. And Derry Green is, is one of the good shooters. The thing is, they they just kept they just gotta pick the slack back up. And would I trust them? Would I trust them to be up Absolutely. I am because they did it in the season. So why not in that playoff? You but they beat, haven't done beat. it in the bubble. They haven't done it in the bubble consistently. Listen, they were listen. they were the worst offensive rating team in the NBA during the bubble would play. They've been it, terrible. It, Shooting threes though, Troy. When it comes to shooting threes, no, Burns, they've been terrible in their overall offense. Since they've been in the bubble, they were the worst offensive team in the bubble. Just think about it. They took a lot of threes in these bubbles. They are trying to work, they're trying to work on a, a, a new strength that they're trying to bring. But their biggest strength is working the paint because you got LeBron James and AD that can smother and go good in the paint. They just trying to bring out the shooting aspect of the team. Gotta think about it. They they got a lot of three and D's on that team. Three and D's. So you trying to make that you trying to make the shoot, the three-pointer more, more relevant. Like I don't understand how you don't see that. I want to give Frank Vogel some credit too. Before we move on to our next question about Terry Stotts, I want to give Frank Vogel some credit because I don't know if you noticed Clarence. They changed up their defensive coverages on Damian Lillard. They basically made it very hard for him in the pick and rolls like Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, you know, they were really, really making it hard on Damian Lillard, and they really amped up their defensive pressure. Did you notice that last night? Like, Lakers, they showed up defensively last night, and they played at a high level. And I was impressed, because that's a coaching adjustment. Frank Vogel, I got to give him a ton of credit, because he made the necessary adjustments from game one to game two, and that's why I think Damian Lillard took a while to get into his rhythm and by the time he tried to get into a rhythm clearance, the game was already out of reach yeah that was, like like you say yeah game was out of reach damian Lillard hurt his hurt his index finger and that's going to that's going to actually probably in my opinion hurt the team more because when he left the injury the team just went down south and the lakers had the uh advantage to play better defense so let's see, let's go to that Blazers head coach Terry Stotts received some criticism after Damian Lillard's injury in the third quarter because the Blazers were already struggling by 30. So did you have an issue with Stotts having Lillard in the game at that time? I think the issue, I think the issue was that when you noticed that he he jammed his finger, then you should have been the, the coach to in, instantly take him out and get him evaluated. I think he was just in the he was just in the motion of like the game is going on. It's a very crucial moment, and we can see can he still play through that injury? Because you think about it, AD, it was a scary moment for him when he when he tweaked his ankle. But then he he play, he, he continued to play, so it wasn't hurting him that bad. So they didn't think he didn't need to come out. But for this situation with Damian Lillard, he had to come out and get more evaluated. He just he just jammed his finger now. Now he got to play through a whole injury with a with a messed up index finger. Yeah, I don't blame Terry Stotts for having Damian Lillard in the game at that moment because. We're talking about the Portland Trail Blazers, the team that has been the best on the offensive side of the floor in the bubble. The offensive rating is the best since we've been playing games in the bubble. So I think Terry Stotts, he was trying to see if his team had one more run in them. I wouldn't blame Terry Stotts here. I don't blame him for having Damian Lillard in the game at that moment. I think once he got hurt, if he didn't get injured, I would have said give it another – two minutes. If not, take him out. Like, you know how the game... I could. I, I felt the game getting away from us, Clarence, in the third quarter when the Lakers went on their run. Well, actually, they went on a run before halftime. At halftime, they were already up 17 points. It was 56-39 to at halftime. So I kind of already felt the game was slipping away and I felt like if we couldn't go on a run to start the third quarter, get Damian Lillard out of there. But the Lakers went on a run to start the third quarter and At that moment before he got injured, I would have said keep him in for another minute or two. If you don't put together a run in those two minutes, take him out of the game. But I don't blame Terry Stocks here. He knows his team is a high-scoring basketball team. They can put up a lot of points very fast. You have a first-ballot Hall of Fame scorer, Carmelo Anthony. You have one of the top scoring guards in the NBA, and CJ McCollum, and we know how great Damian Lillard is at the point guard position. He's one of the top five guards we have. In the league. I think Terry Stotts wanted to see if his team had one more run in them. So I don't blame him for having Damian Lillard in the third quarter down by 30 at that moment. Now I, I just can't put all that blame. I can't put that blame on Terry Stotts. So that goes to the next question. What adjustment does the Portland Trailblazers need to make for game three? Two adjustments. Key. I'm going to get it, make some tell, telling you real fast. Offensively, you got to hit shots. You have to hit shots and you have to be able to hit the three point shot. 8 of 29 from the three-point range is not going to get it done. I need Portland to shoot better from three-point range. I also need, on the defensive side of the floor, I need them to double Anthony Davis. Three words, double Anthony Davis. Force someone else to beat you and see if Kyle Kuzma, see if KCP, see if Danny Green, Deion Waiters, Alice Caruso, see if they can hit perimeter shots at a consistent rate. If they hit perimeter shots and they hit the three point shot at a consistent rate, after they beat us four times, Clarence, you walk on the other side to the other side of the floor and you shake their hand and say, good luck in the next round, because that's, you, you have, you have to make a decision. You can't let Anthony Davis go off for 31 points, you know, 31 points and have 13 to 21 shooting from the floor. You can't have it happen. You have to pick your poison. I'm rolling with those other role players. And see if they can hit consistent shots to get the Lakers to the second round. That's what I'm gonna do if I'm a head coach. Look, all I'm saying is, if you double team Anthony Davis, then you're walking into LA's trap. You are walking in. You're literally walking no, into the no, trap because no, you're, you're opening the three point shooters more opportunity and well looks at the rim to, to hit the shots. They haven't been able to hit the shot consistently. How but are you walking have- into their hands? They didn't have good looks when they was taking the shot. If you think about it, oh. they had good looks the entire time they been in the bubble when they was missing. No, if you really pay attention to, to, into like, like watching them the passes, they they, they not even taking one dribble. They're honestly looking at the shot, looking at the rim, and taking that shot, Trey. All right, well, let's move on to our second topic of the day, and let's talk about Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, hold on, hold on. Before we before we move on, though, we I want to mention, uh, you know. Washington football team, Ron Rivera. He's he yesterday he was diagnosed with with uh, cells cell cancer. And we want to just wish our prayers. The wise guys team wanna wish our prayers to Ron Rivera, you know, to make a a good, you know, transition and his recovery. You know what I'm saying? He still go coach, but if anything go on, they got a good plan B. But that's I wanted to mention though for sure. Yeah, I wanna I wanna I agree with you there. I I we've sent our prayers and condolences to Ron Rivera and his family on a speedy recovery here from Wise Guys in the worldwide sports network you know Ron Rivera you know we've know he's had some success as the Carolina Panthers head coach he helped Cam Newton get to where he's at in his career he helped Cam Newton yeah. win the MVP he helped Cam Newton get to the Super Bowl and as far as character wise Ron Rivera is one of the best coaches we have in the NFL as far as one of the coaches that you trust and players love to play for, Clarence. So let, I, I agree with you. Let's show Ron Rivera some love here on the Wise Guys Sports Show and let definitely. him and his family know we wish him nothing but the best moving forward on a speedy recovery. Definitely, definitely. Us. But let's move on. Go ahead to the next one. What's going on? All right, all right. So look, look, we talked the expectations for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now we heard, we we got three bold Bengals prediction for 2020 according to John Breach. Joe Burrow will lead the AFC North in touchdowns and set the rookie record in, in most touchdowns by a rookie. Two, Joe Mixon uh, lead the AFC who in that. Who said that? Who said that? John Breach. John Breach stated that Burrow will lead lead the AFC North in touchdown passes and set the rookie record. And set, uh, look and set the rookie record. And number two, Joe Mixon he will lead the AFC in rushing. And number three, Bengals will have the biggest room improvement. In the NFL, I just want to know, Trey, any chance of, of these three go turn out? Is these all go come out? Hell no. None of these are going to turn out to be true. Let's start off with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is not leading the AFC North in touchdown passes when you have Big Ben Roethlisberger, a Super Bowl champion, a elite quarterback at one point in his career, throwing the ball for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You also have Lamar Jackson, the reigning NFL MVP in your division. I expect Lamar to also throw for at least 25 to 30 touchdown passes this year. Clarence, I think Harbaugh wants to get Lamar Jackson in more of a rhythm throwing the ball. I think he wants him to become a better passer overall in that pocket. I don't see Joe Burrow having more touchdown passes than any of the other three quarterbacks in his division. Also Baker Mayfield real quick, Baker Mayfield, he has more weapons to throw the ball to than Joe Burrow does. Baker Mayfield has an elite receiver in Odell Beckham. He has an elite number two receiver and Jarvis Landry. He has Kareem Hunt and Nick Tubb at the running back spots to throw the ball out to in the flats. And he also brought in Austin Hooper and free agency. And like I said, big Ben is a veteran quarterback who's proven who has been elite at one point in his career. And Lamar Jackson is the reigning NFL MVP. I think, Joe Burrow will finish last in the AFC North as far as touchdown passes being thrown. And let me get to my Yo. second one. Yo, I don't real quick. What? I got Joe, I got, I got, he'll finish last. He's not going to finish in the top three as far as throwing even, touchdown passes this year. Also, more, hold on. Say it again. Even Baker Mayfield going have more touchdowns than him? Yes. Baker Mayfield will throw more touchdown passes than Joe Burrow. And also, this is another thing you got to keep in mind. Joe Burrow is going to be going up against some elite defenses in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Like, they have great great front sevens. Like, they linebackers and they defensive linemen up front. They are hard to to run against and throw the ball against. They apply pressure to your quarterback. So I don't see Joe Burrow being the leader in touchdown passes in the AFC North at the quarterback position. Now, let's get to Joe Mixon, leads the AFC in rushing. That's the one that's the most likely of these three scenarios. I don't see that happening, but I do believe in Joe Mixon. I like Joe Mixon as a running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think he's had a nice career so far since he's been in the NFL clearance. He's had 17 touchdowns, 108 receptions on his career. He has over 2,900 rushing yards. I like Joe Mixon as a running back. So I'll give you that. He's a top running back in the NFL. I wouldn't say top five, but I would give Joe Mixon top 10. But the third one, the Bengals having the biggest win improvement in the NFL That will not happen, my friend. Last year, they finished 2-14 on the season. They had the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. I don't see the Bengals having a significant win increase this year because Joe Burrow is going to be under a lot of pressure being in the AFC North. This is one of the hardest divisions we have in the NFL, Clarence, to win in. You know it and I know it. I don't think Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have a significant win increase. I think they'll win maybe four or five games at the most that's being nice they'll go four and twelve yes yes they'll go four and twelve this year that's and that's being nice you you got the four my friend yes i'm i'm being honest maybe five so, and eleven maybe i'm just trying to figure out where do i start man because i just feel like I don't think you really mean what you said, man. I just don't think that. I just don't think that because I think one point a time you were supporting the Bengals and you wanted them to be good, and now you just like, hey, no, forget no, that. No, no, here's the thing, Clarence. Here's the thing. I don't support the Bengals, but I do get tired of them having people like you and other family members and friends suffer. I hate that y'all have to suffer, and I hate that y'all have to watch teams like think- my Packers have playoff success. That's what I hate. I don't like that but I don't the, care about the, but the Packers Packers ain't winning nothing probably for the next five years I can bet I can bet a thousand bucks on that right now the Packers we just got to win. the NFC championship game I don't care they're not going to win nothing in the next five years we can bet on that but let's, that's for another topic though but think about it though Trey Joe Mixon it's one of the best running backs in the AFC it, they're one of the best running backs in the AFC the whole AFC like he's one of the best. He's probably top two or top three in the in the AFC, man. I think you don't you don't give him a lot of credit because he plays in Cincinnati. But think hold about on, it, hold on, Clarence. Out of everybody on that team, <laughs> I actually believe in Joe Mixon the most. I don't believe I don't believe in Joe Burrow in his rookie year, going up against these tough defenses like the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't believe AJ Green can stay healthy. Throughout the, oh, of oh. game, throughout the course of a sixteen-game, throughout the course of a sixteen-game season, he already injured his hamstring in training camp. But I believe in Joe Mixon's abilities. I really do. What about Tyler Boyd? You, you just you just just, just, just forget about Tyler Boyd, huh? Tyler Boyd had a nice season last year, but I don't think Tyler Boyd is a legitimate number one. You got to think about this, it's, bro. He he's actually the actual leader in slot receiver yards. Like currently, right now, he has the most slot receivers in slot the slot yards and receiving. come on man i just feel like you don't give a lot, a lot of this team credit you don't see what they brought in into into this offseason. you see you see how we just revamped the whole defense where the defense is great i think that is a top 15 defense in the NFL but i think what's likely gonna happen is the the win improvements like i believe that they are one of the top a top talent team in the NFL in my opinion i think a bengals got a top 10 talent in the NFL, I hope you listening to me right now. They have a top ten talent and top ten NFL. But I think they're 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 very underrated. They're very underrated. They got a lot of good group of guys that's hungry and they're they're on top of their games. And our defense, I think our defense is getting nastier each and every day. Hell, we just signed your the. Three-time pole bowler Mike Daniels that played for Green Bay. And we know what he did in Green Bay. He was a beast. And now he's coming to Cincinnati. That, that's big for us. And I think you didn't, you're really not paying attention to us because you don't like the Bengals. And I understand that's cool. But people gotta understand this. I was watching Jerry, I wanna watch the bro scrimmages by seeing clips. His first drive, he his first drive, he threw six straight completions. And and well, let me say it like this. He threw it, he threw an interception. He threw an interception. And after the interception, he threw six straight incompletions. He was what six for six on his first 69 yards touchdown pass. That was that was great. He, he threw three touchdowns overall. Now, before after practice, he went to uh Josh Bines and asked him, What did I do wrong when you caught that interception? That's just right there. That just shows you the guy is hungry. He wants to be a winner, he wants Cincinnati to be a win, okay. a winning okay. team. So you you're you're afraid of that. I think so. I think you're really afraid. afraid? Of that. What am I afraid of? I'm tired of them. I'm tired of them having people like you suffering in the playoffs. I'm tired of them having people like you get your hopes up and think they're gonna finally win the playoff game, just to have a meltdown and not come through for you and your personal feelings. I don't want to see you suffering. I don't want to see my family and friends have to suffer in the NFL playoffs. You know this team hasn't won a playoff game clearance since neither one of us been born. Since neither one of us has been born, they haven't won a playoff game. And here's the thing. Most people in life, they are close with people who are close to their age. Majority of the people that we know and that we're close to, they haven't witnessed the Bengals win a playoff game in their lifetime. I haven't seen the Bengals win a playoff game yet in my lifetime. And I got a bunch of other Bengal fans, including yourself, who haven't seen the Bengals win one Single playoff game, and you got the nerve to say my Packers aren't gonna win a Super Bowl or be relevant in the next five years, and we fresh off of NFC championship game appearance. The nerve that you have, my friend. But here's the thing: you said out of all three of these scenarios, the most likely is the Bengals having uh the biggest win improvement in the NFL, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So they went they went two and fourteen last year. What's gonna be their record this year? I'm putting you on spot. MS- at best, if the, everything starts clicking, at best, I'll say 9-7. Oh! Oh, at, hell no! At best. Are you serious? 9-7, and seven, and they can sneak into the playoffs. I, I can see it. I can see it. You don't spend almost $200 million. You don't spend almost $200 million on the defense and – Be and suck again. That's what you don't understand, Trey. And significantly, our defense has been better than your Packers fan, Packers team for years. So, are you kidding me? You think they're going to be nine and seven with a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow and a nine proof? They got, listen, they don't even have a proven head coach in Zach Taylor. The only reason Zach Taylor got the job was because he was a part of Sean McVay's staff with the Rams. This no, isn't going nine and seven clearance. Are you kidding me? Think about it. Look, all the players that signed to the Bengals, he's the main reason why they signed. They they believe in his, his change that he's trying to bring to Cincinnati. If you honestly been watching the Bengals, he's been changing the culture slowly. He he's changing, we get all that play out, dumping trash out the way, and we bring in a new culture. That's what brought in Von Bell, DJ Reader. Mike Daniels, even though Gino Atkins was speaking to him a few few months back, he he gave them the spirit. He gave them okay. the spirit. You can be better. Come to Cincinnati, and that's what you don't understand. And Let I me think, ask you a question. And I truly believe what you said. That at best they'll finish 97. So is that you picking with your heart or your head? My heart? No, I'm a, I'm actually picking with my mind because we we can, we have a talented team. That's just me. I'm not I'm not I'm not even being biased nothing. I say nine and seven. Nine and seven at best. I want I want you to highlight this. Clarence just said the Bengals will be nine and seven at best. Think about oh it. my got god, man. Your football IQ, defense. your a football nice IQ is on the line here, sir. It really is. Sir, you should be look, you should be I'm banned from talking banned football. On- I said the key words at best. So if they own their game. I can believe they can get to nine and seven and sneak right into the playoffs. People don't believe it. We went nine and seven with Andy Dalton. So anything is possible. Anything is possible. Trey. Anything is possible, but it's not possible for your Bengals to go nine and seven. That is impossible. That is the true definition of impossible. They're not better than the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Do you know the Pittsburgh Steelers were within one game of the playoffs? And they had inconsistent quarterback play. The reason why is because they got a great coach. And Mike, Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin is a great NFL coach. I know you Bengals fans like to hear that. Mr. Mr. Omar Epps looking like himself, but Mike Tomlin is a great coach. I love Mike Tomlin. I, I think he's one of the greatest coaches we have in the NFL. And he doesn't get the credit that he should. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are better than your Bengals. I think the Cleveland Browns are a better football team to from top to bottom than the Bengals. Yes. I think the, I think the Browns got one of the best rosters from top to bottom in the NFL, Clarence. I really do. They just need coaching to put it all together. And I think they got that now. Your Kevin Stefanski. On the line. I, I, no, no, it's not yours is. They got Kevin Stefanski now. They're definitely not better than, than Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to lose both games this year to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Agree or disagree? But well, listen to this. Believe it or not, uh, Zach Taylor is a better coach than Steph Kevin Stefanski. So now, what was the question again? What is he proven? Well, he went. He took. He helped with the Rams go to the Super Bowl with McVay last year. He was the quarterback coach, and Jared Goff went off in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was Sean McVay. That wasn't. That wasn't Zach Taylor. What do you mean? Listen, 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 bro. This is you picking with your heart. Listen, say that you picking this, making this. 9 and 7 prediction with your heart because if you save with your head your football IQ is going to be in question I'm letting you know right now listeners right now everybody I'm telling you. I'm tell- this is what you're not listening I said the Bengals will can can, can be nine <laughs> will go 9 and 7 at best if they on their top of their game you listen if they on the top you of their t- game I can see them winning nine games at best you're trying to have an escape. You're trying to have a way out of your prediction. That's why you keep saying at best. What is that record going to be next year? Give it to me. What's it going to be? Don't give me no at what best. What's their record going to be? Believe it or not, I think I think that'd be seven and nine, eight and eight. I, I I'm be honest. You're with all you all over the place. What no, you're not be? understanding. You're not understanding. The, you're not understanding what I'm saying. At best, if we were just saying, what's the okay? What would the Packers' record be at best? Like that means, forget, like all, eight. forget all that. Guess what? Guess what our record gonna be next year? You want me to tell you what it's gonna be? What? We'll be ten and six next year. Not down. We'll, we'll be ten and six. Yes, I can give you an definitive th- answer. I'm not all over the place like you. Give me the record. Give it to me. What's the Bengals' record gonna be next year? I'm telling you, man. If everything goes good, everything goes well, and Burrow's on top of his game, he's a candidate for rookie of the year. They go. The Bengals will be nine and seven. At best. Oh man, this guy is hilarious, man. This is the guy that I gotta talk football with, ladies and gentlemen. Let's All day on. long, man. Let's All move on. And let's let's move on and let's stay local here. As Wednesday night, I believe it was, was Wednesday night, or no, no, I'm sorry. This this was this was yeah, this was Wednesday night. Wednesday night, Tom Brenneman, a local Reds broadcaster here in Cincinnati, he was suspended for using an anti-gay slur live on air. Tom Brenneman did not seem to realize his mic was on and he apologized on camera before handing over the play-by-play duties in the Cincinnati Reds against the Royals matchup Wednesday night. So the question here is, Clarence, should Brenneman be fired? I think, I think so. I think he needs to be more evaluated on what he, he said that he thought he wasn't on air. I believe he, he deserved every, you know, Every penalty, you know, like every penalty at his job, because not only you said it on air, you, you said it like you was having a whole conversation and thought your mic was off. And now everybody caught on to what you said. I didn't know like exactly the right words he said, but but in my opinion, though, I think, I think so, believe it or not, because you don't want that energy getting carried into the Reds franchise and you don't want that energy spreading. So I think you need to get rid of them. And start get a whole new broadcaster, Trey. I'm that's just me being honest. Now I'm thinking from the heart. Muted, muted. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm back. My bad. I'm back. But I completely disagree with you. I I I I disagree. Brendan was wrong here. He was wrong and he deserves to be suspended for an extended amount of time. I I think he deserves to be suspended. But in this situation, when I break the situation down, Clarence, I, I, I know he apologized and so forth on air, and I think his apology was sincere, but I think he's only being apologetic because he got caught. You know, a lot of people, a lot of times, when they issue these public apologies, they're only apologizing because they got caught. It's just, so like you if you, it's just like if you... I'm sorry? You don't think you should be fired if you're just being apologetic? I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Hold on. I'm saying the reason why The reasons why he said he apologized. He said, uh, you know, he basically was saying that he doesn't really feel that way. But I disagree. People only apologize because they got caught. If you're in a relationship and someone cheats on someone and they apologize to their partner, you only apologize to me because I caught you. Same thing here. When you say these comments that you said, you only apologizing because it got caught live on air. But I do think his apology was sincere. But I also understand that he's only apologizing because he got caught. Here's the thing we got to keep in mind. We live in America. America is a land of second chances. And I'm all about giving an individual a second chance, especially considering when others around you can vouch for your character. And there are a lot of people, Clarence. Locally here in the Cincinnati media. Listen to me, bro. Just understand. Listen to what I'm saying. It's people locally here in the Cincinnati media. I've reached out to them since this situation happened. And they told me that Tom Brenneman is actually an individual that has character. He has great character and he's a great person overall. I'm not going to condemn an individual and make it seem as if they're a terrible person because of one mistake on air. I think this is a person in Tom Brenneman who is a proven broadcaster and has put in a lot of work to get to where he's at in his career. He has attended, you know, he's been in this career for a long time. He's very well known locally here in the Cincinnati area. And there are individuals who speak to what kind of person he is. I think if it's a situation where someone is consistently doing something that is disrespectful, or, or doing something that is, that, is, that is wrong, then you fire them. If they're doing something that is always offending people, then they get fired. But if it's one incident, I think his body of work should speak for itself. And I think Brennan should get a second chance. But I, I think it's a lot of double standards in what you said though, because of the lady, her name Jamila, I think Jamila, she was worked for ESPN. She made one incident and boom, she got fired. And that, that right there, that just shows you that they didn't value her, her characteristics, like you said, and her, and her like body of work that she did put on. But I think for this type of situation, you, you have to, you have to uh, make the right decision. You have to do what's best, do what's best for the company. And he is a well-deserved broadcaster, but at the same time, how many times he's he not going to continue it, you know? Imagine if this happened again. we go run back to this and say, you said he, he, he deserved a second chance and he went on again. I, I just feel like, I just, me personally, I just feel like that you need to get rid of it. You need to get rid of the problem so it never can happen again. That's just me. I understand what you're saying, but I'm, I'm of the belief this is America. This is the land of second chances. We give individuals second chances. There are people that get locked up in society, Clarence, and they make mistakes. They get out of jail And they are better individuals in society because they learned their lesson. I think he should be suspended for an extended amount of time. I don't think we should be hearing him call any play-by-play for a very long time for the Cincinnati Reds. And, again, he went on air and he apologized live. Although, I think the only reason he apologized is because he got caught. I'm not going to sit up here and act like his apology wasn't sincere. It seemed very sincere to me. And he did it live on air. It ain't like he had had time to go and write a speech, uh, an apology speech, and put it together. No, he did it live on air and admitted to his mistake. He was wrong here. He deserves to be suspended. But to have him, to have his whole entire career that he's worked for be taken away from him, I think it's wrong in a situation like this. I think he deserves a second chance to be able to show what kind of person he is and his character should, should should be speak should go on and we'll see what happens. But I, I just look at what do people say about you when things like this happen. And a lot of people in the local Cincinnati media clearance, they have said Brennan is a very, very high character individual and he is, you know, a great person overall. So I'm not going to sit up here and act like what he did should cause him to lose his entire career he's worked so hard for. Yeah, I I just don't agree with that. I just think, man, that type of problem, you have to, like, get rid of it and taken care of so it won't ever happen again. That's just my last comments on it, man. So what's, the the next the, what's the next topic? There's definitely... We're going to be talking about that. Steph Curry feeling disrespected by Kenny Smith. Woo-hoo. So, er, earlier this week, Steph Curry went on Twitter and called out Kenny Smith for thinking Damian Lillard has, has better long range. So, Sir, keep your mind reading this the quote? Uh, yeah, basically, what happened was Kenny Smith was on NBA on TNT, and they were showing Damian Lillard's highlights. And, they, and Kenny Smith said, I don't know if you can shoot that range, Steph. I don't know if you can shoot that range. You got to show me next year. And then Steph Curry went on Twitter, and he said that I love NBA on TNT, but Kenny to Jeff Smith, you tripping here. That's basically what he that's basically what was said. But is he really though? Is he really though? And I got I'm gonna just say this though, Trey. The question would be: should Steph feel disrespected? I think Steph should feel, he should feel like like your competition is really on you. Like you, you, you made the wave of shoe in the threes, but Dame, I ain't gonna lie, Dame Dollar took it to a whole nother level, man. And I can let me read you these numbers real quick. Before before the NBA bubble, Dane Dollar was ranked second with seventy-seven made deep threes over the season. And the person that's in front of him is Trey Young with eighty with three more to him. But think about it though. His, he's first like he's first in three-point percentage from deep, thirty-seven percent. That's the best, was currently the best in the NBA. And he was fourth in fourth in three-point percentage pull-ups. Like that's seventy three percent right there. This guy is a ferocious. He's ferocious in the deep range, Trey. And I and I think and I, look and I'm I'm putting my IQ on the line again because I'm saying it. I I believe that Damian Lillard is a is a better deep deep ball shooter than Steph Curry. I you think truly, so. I I think so because because uh after after like I'm gonna go this back. Back in 2014, when against against the Portland Trailblazers, against the Portland Trailblazers, uh, I mean the Portland Trailblazers and Houston Rockets, Damian Lillard said Terry Stott wasn't comfortable. He wasn't comfortable for him shooting the three because he wasn't he, he wasn't confident in Damian. But he seen Dame start practicing on that and start utilizing them more. And let let's go let's Let's go back to 20 2016. Remember he hit that big three on Paul George, right? And Paul George stated it was a bad shot. Correct. Remember. Yeah. you remember he said, hey, yeah, God. yeah. But if you really think about it, it was a good shot for Dame. He had he, he had he had open. He, he basically seen the rim, and he had the enough space to, to get the shot off. It was a good shot, and honestly, it was a bad it was bad defense on Paul George because he gave him well space to do the step back and get a well look at the rim. So that was a good shot on Dane. But all I'm saying is Damian Lillard is like dangerous from 30 feet above. And the numbers increased, numbers has been increasing that players been shooting 30, 20, 26 or more feet from the three. It's increasing this year. Actually, it's like 33%, 26% from from the deep, from the deep range. Like it's it's increasing. And Damian Lillard is going crazy. He's going crazy with the deep And I think utilizing it more because no one is not about to, Go out there and try to get it. Put a hand out there. He's very, he's very uh, dangerous in the deep range, Trey. Right, but I, I, I I'm not going. I'm not going to say that Damian Lillard shoots the deep three better than Steph Curry just yet. I gotta see what Steph Curry does next year. I, I think we are in a day and age where we only, we got a short term memory and we only remember what we've saw recently. And right now, since Damian Lillard's been in the bubble. He's been balling out for the Portland Trail Blazers. He ended up winning NBA bubble MVP. But I'm not ready to say he can shoot at a longer distance than Steph Curry just yet. I do think Damian Lillard and Steph Curry have similar play styles. I do believe that if Damian Lillard was in that Warriors system, I think Damian Lillard would have similar success like Steph Curry. But I think that Steph Curry (laughs) next year is going to prove why he is universally recognized as the greatest shooter in nba history you got to remember steph curry we're talking about a 24 point per game score on 44 percent shooting from three-point range and he actually shoots 48 percent from the field overall we know steph curry is a three-time nba champion two-time finals mvp steph curry changed the nba he completely changed the nba i know we talk about i'm sorry Nobody's not questioning that at all, Trey. Nobody's not okay. questioning that. Okay, I'm not saying we I'm just I'm just breaking it down. I know we talk about LeBron James being one of the greatest players of all time. You know, he's you know one of those players that's built like magic, but also can score the basketball at a high level, but he's a great passer. We talk about the great scoring abilities from MJ and Kobe, the domination that Shaquille O'Neal put on display throughout the course of his career, the consistent, Great play we got from Tim Duncan at the power four spot. You know, we talk about Kareem, as dominant as he was in his prime, in his day. You know, it's so many great players. But Steph Curry changed the way the game is played in the NBA now because Steph Curry spreaded the floor. He made you have to extend your defense. When when he crosses half court, he is a legitimate threat. I think Steph Curry sometimes is disrespected because he's only – 6'4. He's only 6'4, Clarence. And I think sometimes people forget what kind of player Steph Curry is because he's not a 6'8 player like a LeBron James. He's not a great, you know, scoring machine like Kevin Durant, who's seven feet. Kevin Durant's almost seven feet with a handle. He can get to anywhere he wants on the court and score at a at a high level. He's not six foot six like Jordan. You know what I mean? I think sometimes Steph Curry, he's disrespected because he is someone when when youngsters are looking up to these NBA players. He is someone that people look up to and say, damn, if I was in a gym like Steph, I could shoot like he can. He's not doing anything that I can't physically do myself. I think that's the part of the reason why we disrespect Steph Curry. I'm not saying I do. I'm talking about NBA fans as, as, as in general, like you can't be six, eight. And be a LeBron James. You can't be skillful as an offensive player like Michael Jordan, you know, and Kobe Bryant. You can't be that. That's not you can't teach 6'6. You can't teach Kevin Durant being close to seven feet tall with a handle. But I think people think that you can be a Steph Curry if you get in the gym and just work hard and shoot jump shots. I think sometimes that's why Steph Curry feels a disrespect that he feels. Not just, but think he's about 6'3", it though. By the way, he's 6'3, by the way. So I'm I'm about to bring up this other number, this, this uh impressive statistic. Since 2013 and 14, you know that's what Steph Curry and and Damian Lillard they was walking into their prime. This this is the list of most prolific deep point shooters, and that in 2013 and 14, Damian Lillard was ranked first for most deep threes in the game, and Steph Curry was ranked third. So that was very impressive too. That just that that's telling me Dame, Damian Lillard is was more more of a better deep. Three deep, deep three ball shooter than Steph. Steph was just a consistent three ball, three point shooter. But But Dame, what? Let me ask you a question: Do you agree with me that if Damian Lillard was in that Warriors system, that he would put up similar statistical numbers like Steph Curry? Yeah, probably numbers, but not accolades like getting. I, I think I think that he would put up the similar numbers as Steph is as Steph doing and going state, but accolades and and winning an NBA championship that right there probably would have been debatable. Would have been more. I disagree. Debatable. I disagree. I think Damian Lillard would have put up similar accomplishments as Steph Curry has in Golden I State because di- Steph Curry there's moments in the finals Steph Curry disappears. He hasn't even won a Finals MVP so far in his uh, career. clearance. he hasn't. Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. Believe it or not. He he had on and off games in the playoffs. He got swept before. He got beaten in five. He he went to game seven against teams, though, but he didn't show up. His other guy, CJ McCullough, did. So we see Damian Lillard ghost got ghosts in some playoff games. But for Steph Curry, what he did at the time he was coming up, he evolved the game of shooting, of shooting the ball, like like shooting the three. He made it so irrelevant, so made it relevant that. Other people start picking it up and start putting it into their game. And I believe that's what Damian Lillard did. I believe Damian Lillard rolled the rolled the wave of shooting of being successful shooting the ball. But and he took it to a whole nother level. Now yes. he's shooting deep, like at least 26 away from the rim. And believe it or not, he has the high, he he has like right now in this bubble, he has the highest, the highest percentage from deep threes. I think that's like what? 50% right there. I think it's 50%, Trey. That's impressive. I'm just saying Steph. Steph is a good shooter. He I mean, he's a great shooter. Dame is a great shooter. But in some aspects, Damian Lillard got Steph. He got Steph. And I can well, admit we, that will be an ongoing conversation for shows to come. We'll debate about that more. Let's talk about the Patriots and Bill Belichick. We're gonna label this segment Bill Belichick experiments. Bill Belichick is not ruling out the idea of having all three quarterbacks play. That's Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, and Jared Stidham. This is Bill Belichick, quote, I'll do what I think is best for the team, what gives us the best chance to win. I would definitely consider it. Would it be a good or bad idea to use this strategy, to have all three quarterbacks playing? Good or bad idea? I think it's a bad idea, Trey. Me, Me personally, I think it's a bad idea because the simple fact, you got two quarterbacks that's fighting for a starting spot and Jared Stidham and Cam Newton. So the other quarterback, I forgot his name. I think it's Morgan. He's, he's, he's not, he's not proven yet. And we, I ain't seen so, heard so much about James Morgan. That's his name, James Morgan. Like, I ain't seen so much stuff about him yet and I don't think they go put him well in the mix. I think he's still going to be in the learning, the learning aspect of being a quarterback, but the spotlight is on Cam Newton and Jerry Stenno. We want Cam Newton to be the starting quarterback, and we want that. We want that. We all honestly, we me and you know Cam Newton it should be starting, without a doubt. But to make it to make it a competition and bring in three quarterbacks, it doesn't make no sense because you have other needs that you need to fill. Remember, they have a lot of players opt out, opt out of the season for the pandemic and personal reason. I think you should worry about that more because you already solidified your quarterback, quarterback spot with Cam Newton. If you are taking a bet on him. So if he's if he's healthy in the way he is, like that's a that's a hit right there. It's a hit. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't know what the hell Bill Belichick is talking about here, Clarence. Yeah. I love Bill Belichick. We know Bill Belichick is a six-time Super Bowl champion coach. Thanks. You know he's a great coach. I think arguably he's the greatest coach in NFL history, as far as I'm concerned. But I don't know what he's talking about here. Look at, let me give you some of these numbers on these Patriots quarterbacks and total starts. Jared Stidham, he has none. He has no no starts. <laughs> he ha- he has 15 snaps and his QBR is 0.1. Let's get to Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer has 38 starts in his career. He has 2,701. Career snaps as a quarterback. He has a 42.7 QBR. Let's get to Cam Newton. Cam Newton has 124 career starts, 7,840 career snaps at the quarterback position. That's a 55.1 QBR. And we haven't even gotten to his statistical numbers. Statistically, he's has 182 career touchdown passes. You know, he was the offensive player of the year in 2015 won an NFL MVP in 2016, been to an NFL Super Bowl, carried that Carolina Panthers team on his back to the Super Bowl, Clarence. They had no business being in the Super Bowl, but they got there because of Cameron Newton. I don't know what the hell Bill Belichick is talking about here. Cam Newton should be his day one starter, and it shouldn't even be a debate. Brian Hoyer, he can't sign Cam Newton's shoes on his best day. Okay. He's like Jared Stidham, order. the only reason Jared Stidham is getting the love he's getting is because he's been in that Patriots system. Miss me with all this Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer noise. Cam Newton is the guy for the new England the Patriots. Bill Belichick should know this. So so let me ask you this Is it more pressure on Cam Newton or Bill Belichick? This season? Yeah. Yeah. For uh, this season, yeah. I would say that more pressure is on Cam Newton because Most people have wrote Cam Newton off. They think Cam Newton is done. They think he's injury prone. They don't think he can play an entire 16 games. You know, so they have wrote him off because of his injury issues that happened in Carolina. And I told you, I hate the way the Carolina Panthers treated Cam Newton because Cam Newton, he put in so much work and he was so dedicated to that organization. Clarence, it was times where Cam Newton shouldn't have even been playing, but he played because he, want to do everything in his power to help the Carolina Panthers win football games. He literally bled that, that baby blue and white. He did. He, and that black, he loved the Carolina Panthers, but they didn't love him back. I think that is more pressure on cam because if he doesn't perform well this season, people are going to say he doesn't have anything left in the tank and they're not going to want to sign him in future seasons to come. I think Bill Belichick, he's a six time NFL Super Bowl champion coach. He's won Super Bowls. He's the man with the New England Patriots. He's the man in New England. So I don't think he's going anywhere no time soon. Therefore, I think there's more pressure on Cam Newton because I think Cam Newton's career could really, really go downhill if he doesn't play well with the Patriots this year. I disagree with you on that, man. I think the more pressure is on Bill Belichick because, one – you, Tom Brady left let's not forget about that Tom Brady left left them for 20 years and went to Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you they were still favored to win nine games and at least make the playoffs all because of him and second like you signed Cam Newton and that's like a hit or miss right there that's a low low risk I mean low high high risk high reward right there I mean and another one you have like eight players opt out of the season. Most of them was on defense. How you go try to utilize all, all your defense and your best players is, is not there. I think there's a lot of pressure on him. Regardless, he's a good coach, Trey. I think when they when all come down to like talent-wise, he going to need to evaluate that more in order for them to win, win games in this season. Remember, they got five primetime games against the top teams like the Chiefs and the Ravens, they need to they need to get it together and know who they're about to play because coaching can go so far. They can go so yeah. far. But if you don't have the talent to back it up, if you you go come to a dead end. A few more minutes before we get out of here. Let's hit some of these these quick hitters. Rockets beat the Thunder last night, 111-98, and they're up 2-0 in the first-round series. What do the Thunder have to do to get back into the series? Uh, Chris Paul has to play better. like right then and there he has to play better two assists really and you're cp3 you're considered one of the best point guards in all time yeah you he has to play better you you mentioned he big shout out to him because he helped carry that team throughout the season and now they are in the playoffs. you got to do the same thing in the playoffs man you're down 2-0 people had them beating the rockies in six games but i told people james harden is more talented than chris paul when it comes to playoffs, when it when it does come to playoffs, he is more talented than Chris Paul, and I think in order for them, in order for them to uh, get back in the series, Chris Paul had to leave them. I disagree about what about? You? I disagree about James Harden being better in the playoffs than Chris Paul. I disagree about that. But I will say, yesterday, I was completely shocked that the Houston Rockets won a basketball game by double digits, and James Harden. Only had 21 points. He shot 5 of 16 from the field, and he went, what, 2 of 11 from three-point range? He didn't play very well as far as shooting-wise, but he had nine assists. So let's give James Harden some credit. He didn't hit the shot necessarily well yesterday, but he distributed the basketball to other players. House, he had a nice game, 19 points. I think Jeff Green contributed 15 points yesterday. So I want to give James Harden some credit because not only did he perform well as far as being able to distribute the basketball – but he did a good job knowing my shot's not falling tonight. Let me get these other guys involved in the offense. So I agree with you about Chris Paul. Two assists isn't going to get it done. I, I, I never I thought I would see the day, Clarence, where in a key pivotal playoff game, Chris Paul would only have two assists. Never thought I'd see it coming. Who wins game three Saturday night? Oh, I got the Rockets winning again. And I, and I truly believe if they continue if they continue playing this small ball and everybody and James Harden getting more involved, I think it could be another blowout. I got the Thunder stealing Game Three. Thunder's gonna make this a series. But let's move on real quick. Let's talk about the Dallas Mavericks and the Clippers. Uh, do you think the Do you think the Mavericks can upset the Clippers? Because many people believe the Mavericks should be up 2-0. Do you think the Mavericks can upset the Clippers? Um, they got a small percentage. I don't think they can upset them because they're very sloppy on defense. But they are one of the highest offensive teams in the bubble. And I think the only the only chance they they uh upset them. And you got to keep letting Chris Porzingas and Luca play their game. And they, they have to be on top of their game in order to beat, give even beat them. Yeah, I also need better performances from Paul George. Paul George was awful. He was awful in game two, Clarence. He was terrible. He yeah. did a great job in game one. But playoff P, I need more from you. I picked the Clippers to win the NBA championship. Exactly. Yes, I picked the Clippers to win the championship. In order for that to happen, you need playoff P to show up and play well for the Clippers. I think in game 2 Kawhi Leonard dropped 35 points, 10 rebounds. Kawhi did his job. Paul George, I need you to do more for Doc Rivers and the Los Angeles Clippers. If the Ch- Clippers are going to have any chance of winning a championship this year, they need Paul George to play like a superstar. He had he's capable yeah. of doing it. He's capable of doing it clearance. I need more from playoff P. So So let me so let me ask you this for tonight game, what do adjustments do Doc Rivers need to to order they, reg- they regain control of the series? Uh, I think Doc Rivers need to try to force the ball out of Luca's hands. Get it to those other guys and make them yeah. beat you. Like, don't yep. let Luca beat you. Luca can beat you. Obviously, in Game Two, he had 28 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. Luca controls everything. Stop letting him control everything. You have <laughs> to agree. make those other players on that team beat you. Make Tim Hardaway hit consistent perimeter shots to beat you. Make Seth Curry hit perimeter shots. To beat you, we know he's capable of doing it. That's Steph Curry's yeah. brother; he can do it. But make him consistently do it to beat you in a series. I think you need to try to force someone other than Porzingis and Luca to beat you if you're Doc Rivers in the Los Angeles Clippers. So, who wins Game Three tonight? And that game actually is next. I got the Clippers winning Game Three. They're gonna bounce back and take a two-one lead over Luca and the Mavericks. I got Clippers. I'm gonna give you a score. I say Clippers one fifteen. Mavericks 100. Oh, so they beat him by 15 points. Ah, Paul George yeah. back a horrible game, too. Mm. Who went? Who you got winning tonight? Um, I got the I, I got the Clippers winning tonight. I think it's gonna be a uh not a I think it's gonna be a tough, tough, and inv- tough physical game because both of these players, both of these teams have won one game apiece, and they going game three is gonna be a, a real tough one right there. But I got the Clippers coming up, and I'll give you a quick prediction. 100 to ninety six, Clippers. Okay, one hundred ninety six. You got a close game. This this series actually, Clarence, is going to go the distance. I had it. I had Clippers in five. I think this. I think you might have told me, but I think this series now probably gonna go six games. I I, th- I yeah. can see it happen. Yeah. But L A and L A and six. Just to give everyone a, a update real quick, the Boston Celtics have beaten Joel Embiid in the Sixers one oh two to ninety four. So they oh! take a, yes. The, the Celtics take a commanding 3-0 lead over the Philadelphia no. 76ers. Kimball Walker had 24 points. John B. did show up. He had 30 points, but he only went 7 of 20 from the field overall. But he went 14 of 16 from the free throw line. No, that's not horrible. It's not, that's not horrible. But the shot, That chart. It was horrible. 7 of 20 Trey. is not, it's not great, but he, he was active. I like seeing the John B. be active. Real quick, last question of the week. Is Brett Brown in trouble? Of course he is. He's, th- he's, a, he's a terrible coach. I think right now, after after the, I ain't gonna lie, after the Philly gets sweet, they need to do some evaluation on who needs to go. The pair, the duos of Joel Embiid or Brett Brown? Brett Brown has made decisions that we didn't feel comfortable with. Like, at times he didn't put Embiid in, and at times you didn't play Embiid to his full strength. It's like you ain't really confident in Embiid. I think he needs to go, man. He got to go. Yes, he's had some questionable decisions as that coach for the Philadelphia 76ers. In game, yep. two, in game two, the Sixers got out to a nice lead in the first quarter. Joe Embiid was dominant, and then they just went away from him. They just completely went away from Joe Embiid. And you know Joe Embiid is your best player. You need to right. get him the basketball right now and let him work in the paint. I, I think Brett Brown, his coaching decisions that he has made has been very questionable, to say the least. I don't think he's a terrible coach, though. You say he's terrible. I, I wouldn't say he's terrible, but I think he has to improve. But I think it's going to be a little bit too late because I think the Philadelphia 76ers and that organization, they're ready to move on from Brett Brown and bring in a proven head coach that can make Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons coexist, I just, I just don't understand, real quick, I just don't understand how you had Joel Embiid scoring enough and then you take, you take his float away from him. It was ridiculous, right? Yeah, it's crazy, it's unbelievable. But do you believe Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can coexist? No, I don't think so. I think this is the last time that they're gonna be playing together because I've been hearing multiple reports that the Chicago Bulls and Cleveland Cavaliers are willing to offer their lottery pick for to the seventy six. And I think honestly, that's one of the, a good idea, a good idea. So you can start over and invest. If Joel Embiid is still your franchise quarterback, you have to give him something. Give, get, get compare him with somebody that. That's willing to feed him the ball and score when needed. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Joe and B and Ben Simmons can coexist either. I think you need to build around Joe and B, though. I think Joe and B has a higher upside than Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons still can't shoot. He can't shoot. And I think a part of the reason why Ben Simmons isn't working to improve his jump shot is because Brett Brown isn't forcing him, Clarence. And that's a part of coaching. That's a part of coaching. As a coach, you need to be able to get the best out of your players. And clearly, the Philadelphia 76ers, that team has lost respect for their head coach and Brett Brown. I think Brett Brown is a great individual. And I think he knows his basketball. He's probably forgotten more basketball than I know. But I think he's not the coach for this team. And I think Elton Brand, the general manager for the Philadelphia 76ers, and that Sixers organization, they will be relieving Brett Brown of his duties in the offseason and i think the philadelphia 76 is going to be on the coaching search in the offseason because they need somebody that can come in there demand john b to stay in shape because he needs to play at a high level for them to have a chance to be able to win basketball games i agree man i definitely agree because but you gotta get out of here bro any big plans this weekend oh no man i ain't doing i'm back in the lab this weekend so you know I'm, i'm back in there watching nba games. so i'm back in the lab what about you Chilling out, watching some basketball. I'm predicting right now, my Portland Trailblazers will win game three. That's on record. Stop. I got LeBron and them winning a commanding 3-1 to the Portland Trailblazers. And then another blowout. It'll be 2-1. 81. It'll be 2-1. Yeah. But, anyways, everybody have a great weekend. Remember, follow wise guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at TheseGuysNoSports. Sports. I'm Trey Larkins. That's Clarence Nixon. We're signing off the Worldwide Sports Network. Have a good weekend. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.